0: You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast hosted by me, your host, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have another exciting guest, Spencer Hewitt. He is the founder and inventor of Radar. Spencer was named one of entrepreneur Peter Thiel's 20 under 20, is a Y Combinator alumni, and has invented and prototyped various technologies, including intelligent advertising displays, wireless hospital hand hygiene compliance systems, computer vision software for detecting heart rate, and a device for the visually impaired. To date, Spencer has filed over 20 inventions on behalf of Radar, and I'm really excited to have the conversation to dig in deeper into what you're building, Spencer. Thank you for being with us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: And I want to say a special thanks for bringing the birds on with us today. They sound beautiful.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's really nice. I'm in, uh, I'm in West Virginia in a, in a forest right now.
0: Oh, beautiful. I think we could all use a little forest time with the birds. Thanks again for being on. Um, why don't you start by uh, giving an introduction to our audience of what Radar is?
1: Sure. So Radar is a fully integrated hardware and software platform um, built to automate different functions in, in retail and just, you know, uh, help retailers come into, into the, this next generation. Um so essentially what it is, is, you have a series of sensors that we've built, um, and each sensor uh, goes on the ceiling of a store and covers about, call it 500 to 1,000 square feet. And inside each sensor, there are multiple antennas that send out radio frequency that can you know, power up RFID tags on products uh, and locate them, as well as four cameras um, to give it 360 degree vision. and. Um, using the network of these sensors, we're able to really understand how much inventory is in the, in the store at any given time, what's missing from the sales floor, um, what shoppers have picked up, what they've reached for, what they've looked at. And if you know what they're holding when they leave, uh, you're able to then uh, attribute products to them and then charge them for those products as they leave automatically, um, kind of like Amazon Go.
0: I love it. I love it. I've been a, a long fan of RFID, and um, it's it's definitely have its complexities, which I know we're going to go into more detail about, but the possibilities of it of it is so powerful. You founded your company in 2013. What what was your vision then when you first started the company?
1: Yeah, so um, I actually first started the company because I wanted to eliminate checkout lines. Um, so uh, I actually was stuck in a line with a friend uh, you know, I was internet at eBay. I was probably 19 or something at the time. And I got uh, stuck in this line. And then I, I bet a friend that I could figure out a way to eliminate lines. Um, and then, you know, seven years later, uh, I'm still working on it.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, it's, it, as I said, it, it, it is complex. It, um, I, I worked, uh, in retail, I, created a store with my team called IRL a couple of years ago and we launched in Chicago and we wanted to support it with an RFID platform called field test that we also created. And it was a big learning experience to me of the complexities of RFID all around. But I do think, you know, Keep at it because I think the possibilities there. So from twenty thirteen, what your vision of eliminating checkout lines, how has your vision evolved over the years? How have you seen the market progress in making RFID more accessible and integrated?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think it's changed in a couple of ways. So the market's definitely changed and now if you look at apparel, at least in North America, um, any retailer that's doing, you know, half a billion or more in sales a year, um, almost all of them are piloting RFID are in the middle of deployment or are fully deployed. Um, so it's really gotten a ton of mainstream traction in, in, in apparel, uh, at least with the large companies. Um, and then in terms of devolution of the vision, um, you know, I, I started out wanting to do just checkout, right? And the challenge with um, starting with checkout is that um, the, the hurdle to getting deployment is like you need to be 98% accurate or better. Uh, or no one's even gonna deploy you at all, um, just because you know people don't want to mess with uh, with with accepting money from from customers or the possibility that something might be wrong. Um, so um, the the other problem with starting with checkout we found was that it's a two sided market problem. So you have to not only get a bunch of stores to sign up, but you need the right stores to get a, a large consumer base to also like download an app and give their payment information so they can be charged. Um, So we actually decided to take a step back and turn this two-sided market problem into a one-sided market issue where uh, we would start by giving the retailers fundamental tools to run their business more effectively. Um, And that really started with inventory management um, and analytics and what kind of data you could derive from knowing um, the interactions between consumers and products in a store. Uh, And making sure that your store always has the right things in the right place at the right time to maximize sales. And then as you get this deployed base uh, through uh, B2B tools, um, it opens up the door for you to more easily go B2C as you've built uh, a larger network of, of customers.
0: That makes complete sense. That is always the challenge. If you need to create some a marketplace for a system to work, it is it. Is, you have to talk to both sides, and, and that's definitely a challenge. You mentioned just now that you know as as being a partner, uh, to two brands and retailers, and giving them those fundamental tools. You're you're giving them data to learn. So, what are the types of insights that you're able to glean uh, from your data collection, and and then share back to your brands and retailers?
1: So the way we like to think about it is we, we basically take all like these tried and true metrics that have become really popular online uh, for e-commerce and we make those available in the physical world where like you know 80% of a lot of retailers' sales actually happen. Um, so we measure things like online you would know if someone clicked on a particular item and like how long they browse for, if it was added to their cart, uh, and then w- what the conversion rate is, really, ac- across that funnel. Um, so we're able to do the same thing um, because we can actually start to measure, you know, customers that picked up items and then put them back or reached reach for them, touch them a little bit, and then uh, decided you know not to pick them up. Um, customers that have, like, taken apparel to the dressing room, uh, tried it on, then for some reason not bought. So uh, what we like to do is basically use... Uh, like an e-commerce type uh, metric, uh, and and come up with the physical world equivalent, um, and and there are other you know more granular metrics that we can we can provide in terms of you know employee uh, productivity and and augmenting employee performance as well. Um, so you know ha- have employees greeted a customer is that a piece of data that you know actually affects the outcome of a sale? Um, and uh, other more kind of mundane metrics around, you know, uh, replenishment of goods to the sales floor, and um, you know how close they are to the ideal um, defined planogram at any given moment. Um, things like that. So essentially, you know, the goal of the system is to give retailers omniscience in the physical world um, and understand exactly what's happening at any given moment in their store. Um, and then also be able to kind of play it back and and, and, and look at, you know. So, so to be, I guess, a little bit more explicit here, uh, we actually have a, a three dimensional, you know, rendering of, of, of stores that we enable retailers to go in and zoom into to see, for example, like the people walking around the store or where the products are and, and which areas are are, are missing product. Um, so it's it's this very interesting kind of immersive like three D view um, uh, that can also be rolled up into a dashboard.
0: Oh, well, that's great. Um, so how does that process work then? How does an onboarding process with the brand work? Can you walk us through some of those steps?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, assuming that, you know, we, we've met with the brand and they want to go forward. Um, you know, typically we, we identify, uh, the first stores that we're going to be deploying to. Um, and, uh, you know, th- those stores typically want some diversity to, to figure out, you know, um, to make sure you have a representative sa- sample set for the larger chain. Um, you then install the sensors. So the sensors can be installed overnight. Um, each sensor, you know, you just drop a, an Ethernet cable into and both power and data are delivered by that single Ethernet cable. And you'll put one every 500 square feet. Um, we'll uh, work with the uh, internal retailer teams to uh, integrate with their their backend systems, so um, their POS for like timestamps and sales, uh, their you know ability to receive shipments and when they're expecting new shipments, um, and then also their inventory system, so that we can you know push real time updates to it. Um, and that integration process, uh, you know, typically we we takes about six weeks. Um, and the install can happen overnight.
0: Amazing, that's pretty efficient Uh, in general. I think a lot of people um, have the preconception that it's a very complicated process to get up and running. Um, So it's great the way you just lined it out. You say that your RFID technology is different from traditional RFID um, because you build everything from the ground up using proprietary signaling signaling processing methods and location algorithms to provide the ability to identify an RFID tag in three dimensions. Can you further explain that to us?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, it just sounds like a bunch of like jargon. Uh, But basically um, the reason we have, um, you know, better, the the reason we can get more out of the RFID tag is because we built a system that can locate the RFID tag more precisely. So, if you have an, a typical RFID system, you'll get like plus or minus two to three meter accuracy. Oftentimes, closer to three meter accuracy, uh, which is you know, I guess you know, almost ten feet. Um, and uh, if you if you don't know where something is within plus or minus ten feet, uh, you know, it, it makes a lot of use cases challenging, or or it really limits the RFID. So. All of a sudden, it's hard to know which items are on the sales floor versus the stock room if they're on the wall that that borders the sales room and the stock room, or even close to it, um, which makes restocking the sales floor difficult, right? Um, the other thing uh, that that inaccuracy makes difficult is you, know, you, you definitely won't know if someone picks up an item or reaches for it unless they move it you know, greater than 10 feet. Um, and then for autonomous checkout... Uh, if, if hypothetically we were like walking out of a store, you're holding one thing, I'm holding another thing, uh, plus or minus ten feet, is just not going to cut it. It, it. The system's going to, you know, think either one of us could be holding any of those objects. Um, so that is kind of the limitation of existing RFID. And um, you know, when I started the company, I started it to automate checkout. So I really zeroed in on this location accuracy piece as like, like the priority. Um, and it's something that we've put a lot of R and D into over, you know, the several years, uh, so, you know, probably 2013 to like 2016, um, I was really heavily working on, um, you know, localization methods and doing research, um, and building a lot of prototypes and then, uh, fortunate enough to, to work with such a great team to help make it, take it from a simulation to, to reality, um. So we, we've we really uh, come up with a unique method of locating RFID tags indoors. And then not to like maybe go into too much detail, but the reason why it's hard to locate an RFID indoors is because if you think about it, what you have is this like pretty crazy system where you have a reader on the ceiling and like these little stickers that are RFID tags that just reflect radio frequency, but they have no battery. So they basically get wirelessly powered by this reader on the ceiling from like, you know, Thirty feet away, and then uh, they reflect back the signal from the reader, and they add their own ID to it when they reflect it back. And on its path back to the reader, that signal is going to bounce off of you know the walls, the floor, the ceiling, and all these different objects in the space. And it'll actually take an infinite number of paths back to the reader. And then people are trying to figure out okay, like which one of these paths is actually where the tag is coming from, and like that's the only one they care about. All the others are just, like, reflections. So, um, people, like, often try to just, you know, bound, you know, uh, bound where it's coming from and and they use, like, techniques based on, you know, how much power they're receiving. And the idea is, like, you know, if they get more power, it must be closer. If it's less power, it must be farther away. But this isn't necessarily true because, you know, in indoor environments, while the reflection's happening, um, you know, you can get, like, Waves basically like adding together to look like there's more power in some areas. They, you know, negatively sum, and it looks like there's less power. So it's actually really hard, and that's like the main problem that we focused on solving. It's like how do you find the tag when there's all these reflections happening? Um, so that we took a very unique approach to that.
0: And you also layer on computer vision, right, with your RFID. Yeah, correct. So, so tell us how those two forces come together and give you more accuracy.
1: So um you know cameras are really accurate because like visible light is is very predictable right it's it's gonna reflect off of like smooth surfaces like maybe like a mirror right uh, but those are like really really smooth other surfaces that are that are more rough are generally it's it's gonna it's gonna reflect but it's not gonna um, you know uh, cause uh, you know one image to appear somewhere else for example so um yeah, I mean, basically, you can use cameras to lo- locate where people are. Um, so a huge amount of advances have happened in you know AI and deep learning. Um, so you know now we can really reliably locate people, and once you can locate people accurately, and you can locate tags, and you kind of see the trajectory a tag is moving on, you compare against all the people and their motion and their trajectories. You can very quickly start to map a tag to a particular individual and attribute it to them. Um, and then from that point on, you know, you, you can let uh, kind of the vision take over, which is kind of more predictable, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. So when you when you work with a brand or a retailer, they are they investing in this hardware as well? If these are your cameras, or are you able to tap into, say, security cameras that are already installed?
1: So uh, we can tap into any camera feed. Um, so the cool thing is that we've built technology that enables us to get the three-dimensional position of any single person using just single like standard cameras normally you need like more expensive uh like a stereoscopic camera or like a structured light camera um that that can be expensive to deploy so uh we built um essentially ai to, to to get rid of the need for those expensive cameras so we can actually we can leverage the existing cameras in a store as well as the ones in our sensors
0: Gotcha. Great. Um, so you talked a bit about the challenges, you know, with RFID and, and, and how, how you're solving for that. Do you have any key customer case studies that you could highlight best, best successful examples?
1: Yeah. So, uh, to be candid, we actually were, uh, planning, uh, some, uh, deployments, uh, that have been pushed back due to the pandemic. Um, so right now we're, um, uh, we we do have three really really strong customers that we're working really closely with. Um, all of them are you know, call it, uh, I don't know on the on the low end like you know do like three billion a year in sales up to you know fifteen billion a year in sales. So um, they're large retailers, um, and we've deployed uh, you know components of the system to their internal stores. That's that's gone that's gone very well, um, and we're we're super excited to to go live in, in there. Uh, kind of open to the public locations um, later this year.
0: Okay, well, we'll have to follow back up with you so that we can get we can get some insights of how they're going and some 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 stats that we could chew into. For sure. What are some of the use cases not yet possible? I mean, I know you talked about not waiting online and Amazon Go is pushing in that direction, but what other use cases do you see in, in the future? Um, you know, I I think what you mentioned earlier in our conversation about the Seeing what a customer does, I think that's so important because when you're tracking behavior online and through e-commerce, you, you are able to see intent, right? You're seeing what pages somebody goes on, where they drop off in the funnel, how they got, you see so much of that. How, how do you see the possibility of being able to capture consumer intent in, in store in a more granular way through your system?
1: Definitely. Um, hundred percent. I think that, um, You know anything that can be measured online, uh, the goal is for radar to be able to measure in the physical world. Um, And I think uh, you know the thing that's been missing to get there thus far has been like the combination of human, you know, behavior and product uh, location, so that you can determine, you know, the context of what's happening. Like, did the human were they interested in this? Were they looking at item A or looking at item B? so I a hundred percent think that uh what we're building will get us to a place where you'll be able to understand intent. I, I can also talk a little bit about um some of the other uh things that I envision happening.
0: Absolutely. I want what, to know what's in the pipeline.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, um there there's definitely like a lot in the pipeline. Um in, in terms of like the applications to retail of this technology, um, you know, I, I kind of see a future where um you know, the world actually becomes the store, right? So, like, the store is a like, one place where you can shop. Like, the mall is, like, a community of shops. Then um, there's e-commerce. But I kind of see, you know, everything in the world becoming um, shoppable, or at least a percentage of it, right? So, um, I, I guess, like, w- w- what I see happening over time is, um, you know, uh, as people buy stuff, etc. cetera, um like clothing or whatnot. Um, uh, I, I kind of see people starting to build like personal inventories that are that are able to be you know monitored uh, if they want like to know like, for example, like what's in their closet and like have a, a catalog for their closet. Um, and and I I see like a, a world where you know, as AR becomes more and more popular and and you know maybe once Apple releases their glasses, um, you know if we were walking down the street, And we didn't know each other, but you had opted to, like, share your data about, like, what you're wearing because, you know, you're, like, you know, uh, you have good style, right? So, uh, if you opt to share your data about what you're wearing, someone else in the world can, like, see, like, your shoes or something and be, like, wow, those are really nice. And then you have the system that surfaces, okay, like, these are actually this type of shoe, uh, and you can actually just buy them right there and then have them shipped to your house and then you for having shared your data uh will get paid some like affiliate kickback. Um so I kind of see like this world where um not everyone but a percentage of the population will be kind of like making things shoppable um all the time. Um and I also see you know this technology you know as it grows and becomes more uh, high, widely adopted, um, you know, as you expand out of apparel into things like grocery and convenience, um, solving some other problems. Like you know, if I have a water bottle and I throw in the trash, um, this technology could allow the trash can to know that that is recyclable and to sort it automatically, um, and things of that nature. So um, I kind of see this world where like every single object is is indexed by some system or some set of systems um, to make you know, things more efficient and to uh, enable commerce in different ways um, and hopefully generally benefit the world.
0: I love it. It's good to have a long-term vision and a bold vision, being able to uh, index everything. But I do think the possibilities are there where everything in the world can become shoppable. Uh, and I and I and I look forward to where the deployment of RFID becomes more accessible. I think you're starting to see it over the years get adopted more and more, but we're not even close to harnessing the real possibilities of where it could go. Definitely. So um, it was really great having you and your birds with us today. <laughs> uh, and, and I love talking about RFID. I, I've been a champion of it, so I know it, it's going to get there. Um, the other thing I've been asking guests, because we're living, 2020 has been quite the year um, with, with our work from home and, and everything. You're in I, I believe you said you're in West Virginia now, but you're from New York. So what are the top three things you want to do when you get back to the city?
1: Um, I would say the top three things that I want to do when I get back to the city are go and eat, uh, you know, with my friends at, uh, Uncle Boone's sister. Um, I would like to get a cocktail made from a, a fancy bar and, uh, I would like to, uh, go to a party outside.
0: Yes. I think we all are ready to party. That's yes. (laughs) I like it. You want to eat, drink and party. Perfect. (laughs) But uh, I haven't tried Uncle Boone's sister. I'm going to have to add that to my list. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being with us. Uh, This was a great conversation. Everyone listening, this was Spencer Hewitt, uh, founder and inventor of Radar. Check them out. And we look forward to having you um, listen again on our next episode. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Melissa.